What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is the one and only King Ginger, and I have some very exciting news for Apologia All Access members. We got movies now! Seriously, if you sign up for Apologia All Access, you will get to be the very first people in all the earth to watch Darren Doan's new film, Stonewall, starring Doug Wilson. And the movie has interviews with Ted Cruz and Ben Carson. So here's how it's going to work. Sometime during the month of October, Stonewall is going to be available to our All Access members for a very limited 24-hour window for you and your family to watch. Now that music's going to turn up and I'm going to yell at some people. If you have not gotten Apologia All Access or you've been waiting for the perfect time to get Apologia All Access, stop it! Get it now! You're only going to have a 24-hour period in which you can watch this movie. And while you're waiting for the film to drop, you can watch every single episode of Apologia TV and every single episode of The After Show and every Academy that we've ever done. So seriously, what are you waiting for? ApologiaRadio.com. Sign up now. Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! <laughs> What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. What's up, y'all? Apologia Radio. How's it going? It's going well. That was Isaiah 42, Marcus. I'm, a, I'm actually here. Yes. You're like, in the studio. I'm in the studio now, right. not behind a glass booth. That's uh -oh. far away from That's right. Who's recording? Who's uh, on the one, ones one and twos? Uh, Woodpeckers. <laughs> on the ones and twos. Sherman. Hey, Sherman. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So another week, another episode of Apologia Radio. You guys can get all the episodes at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where the past episodes are. Grab one, share it with your friends, family, brosos. Hey, something to, to mention is that there was all this hubbub with all the false teachers and false prophets um, over the last year. 
uh, the Jonathan guy and then uh, Hagee, those guys, and the whole... Uh, <laughs> the Blood Moon! <laughs> I, I thought it was really cool, by I the way. I thought you were yeah. talking about a Cecil Richards congressional hearing. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. No, I was talking... Right. I, I wasn't talking about <laughs> sleazy. <laughs> Not sleazy. Okay. Uh, some of the Blood Moon stuff. Well... <laughs> We uh, so J Man's back. Um, yeah, it's funny when I first played, you didn't even know it just blended right in. Yeah, it worked out pr- pretty well. Marcus is totally confused right now. It's Sherman. Maybe this is our new Sherman Marcus, clip. That's, his, that's one of our sound clips. Oh, okay. I was like, who's, like, who's that? that? That's not that me. Kind of annoying though, because it doesn't stop. It just goes for like a minute. Um, okay, so uh, we we have all kinds of episodes that we've done. On so many different topics, and we did an episode on the Blood Moon nonsense uh, over a year ago, I think, with uh, Gary DeMar from the American Vision. Very good episode, and so I ended up sharing that this week uh, just because it was relevant, uh, but it was actually an old episode. A bunch of people loved that, shared that, and really blessed people. So go back through the archives at ApologiaRadio.com. You guys can grab an episode. I mean... If, if there's a topic on, like, transmission of the text of the scriptures, where do you get your Bibles from, eschatology, uh, justification through faith in Christ alone, reform theology, political stuff, gun rights, uh, the, I mean, it's there. Just check it out at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm sure we've done an episode on it, and then share it. And those are free for everybody. Sure. Those are free for everybody. They're, yeah. they're everybody. Just, everybody. Every day. Everybody, every day on <laughs> ApologiaRadio.com. So that's where you guys can get them. And um, uh, let's see, a lot of housekeeping things. Uh, just briefly, we have a really cool show we want to do today on um, The Butcher, uh, Sleazy Richards, um, before uh, the Congressional Oversight uh, Committee. Uh, lots of really great stuff in Why that. did you make me watch that twice? Because it's important. <laughs> it's 11 hours of footage you watched <laughs> well, twice. Well, she wasn't in the full That's 11 a, hours. A day of my life. But she she did about four wow. hours or so. And yeah, <laughs> we, we did watch it. It felt like 11 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, good stuff there. We're going to try to pull just a few important things out of that. I think that would be helpful for us as Christians as we engage the issue. We're going to also talk about um, a few other things. I think question about God's law that came up and uh, possibly uh, talk about when, as Christians, we are critiquing one another to do it with integrity and honesty. Uh, Dr. White did a thing this week on equal scales. Um Whoever you're critiquing, you need to have integrity and honesty, represent them faithfully. And we're going to do it in light of a video made, actually, about moi, me, by somebody online. Who? Uh, that calls what I believe post-millennial nuttiness. Oh. <laughs> nuttiness. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Housekeeping. Uh, what's up? Let's see. We have coming up this month some, some stuff. Uh, I'm doing a conference in town um, that's a conference on Islam with... Our boy, Vocab Malone, uh, I think that is the 16th of October or something like that. Is that something right? like that, yeah. It's with Vocab Malone. Oh, on Islam. On Islam. I'm yes. doing a, um, a lecture on the Trinity, and then there's a debate uh, between Vocab and I think a Muslim. Yeah, Crown Rice is filming the debate. That's right. So be on the lookout for that. If you're in town, uh, check out uh, Roosevelt Community Church's website for information on the conference, I don't have the details in front of me. I apologize for that. Sorry, Vocab. Um, but uh, Roosevelt Community Church, Vocab Malone, hit him up, find out the details to the conference. Um, we'll try to get you guys more on that soon. But I'm also doing the What of Christ and Culture Conference in Torrance, California. It is the Bonson, the annual Bonson Conference 2015. Um, it's going to have Cy Ten Bruggenkate, me, uh, Dr. Scott Oliphant, Joel McDermott, Mark Rush Dooney, Kenneth Samples, 
uh, E. Calvin Beisner, Lee Irons, Lindsey Brooks, uh, just a, a, a lot of people. I'm looking at the list here. Inconceivable! Really, really. And um, so what if Christ and culture, and from what I understand, David Bonson, Greg Bonson's son's actually going to be there. Nice. Yeah, oh. I've got a Greg Bonson conference. So, and I just heard, and I don't have anything really to give you by way of details just yet, guys, but I just heard that I was actually put into um, a debate at the conference with some atheists. So I guess it'll be Cy and me. This is all I know right now. I think mm-hmm. it's Cy and me versus these atheists. So Cy 10 Durbin Kate. Yes, Cy 10 Durbin Kate. That's all I know right now. I don't even know the details enough. I don't know enough to tell you about what's going to happen, except that it's supposed to be a debate, and I was uh, apparently put in it. So <laughs> It's a debate at a Bonson conference. All yes. I need to know. That's, that's all you need to know. That's it. So <laughs> if you want details on it, it looks like the site is gregbonson.wordpress.com. And it has to do with the Bonson Conference. Or Google the Bonson Conference 2015. You'll find details. What of Christ and Culture? Um, pretty cool. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. I mean, this is a pretty cool list of pre-sup guys. It's pretty awesome. I mean, you need, to, right. you need to go to this. <laughs> so um, so that's what's up. And then, Marcus, I, I know... I'm going. You are going. And we're going to be filming interviews with Elephant yeah. and Cy and Joel. Yes, so that'll be awesome. By the way, for those that are new listeners, we should introduce ourselves. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's Marcus Pittman. Oh, hello. We call him King Ginger. And that is Luke the Bear. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that, that or, or uh, his, his dudeness or uh, El Duderino. Uh, you know, El Duderino. If you're not, if you're not into, into the whole brevity, brevity thing. thing. Uh, and they call <laughs> me the ninja. And uh, that is Rebecca the Lady. I have no beard, and I'm in over my head. Spirit beard. <laughs> Spirit beard. So, Marcus, uh, we do have, again, guys, hang on, because there's some cool stuff happening. want to you know, point you to really great things, like the Bonson Conference is awesome. But, uh, Marcus, we have something coming up that everyone needs to know about um, regarding a film. Yes. And I'll let you introduce that, because you're very excited yes. about it. Yes. Well, we saw the film. Yes. The movie yes, is did. called Stonewall. Saw it. And saw let's it. clarify uh, which Stonewall. It's the good one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> Thank the you. biblical. There's so one in the theaters now, right? Well, and I think it's actually getting ravaged by the critics too. People yeah, hate it. I that's think on they, the gay agenda. I actually think they, some of the reviews I was saying made it look homosexuals look bad. Really? Hmm. Interesting. What I heard. Interesting. Go figure. They did a truthful documentary. <laughs> yeah. So on the gay on agenda, on the, on the and it made look bad. Yeah, but there's another truthful documentary on the stone on Stonewall called Stonewall. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say it like. I know I'm a Darren, Do- Darren Doan fanboy, but it's the best movie I've ever seen. Best documentary I've ever seen. That's yeah. a bold and, statement. It was really and good. I, 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 in the first few minutes of the film, we're watching the film, and I looked up at Jeff and I said, Jeff, he's not being fair and balanced with his documentary at all. <laughs> like, this, this is about to get uh, hard. And it got really, I mean, it That's was hard. Great. Yeah, That's it was hard. really That's like, hard. it was hard. It was real. Like if you ever watch a movie and you go, "Man, I wish they really hit that point harder." Mm. Like not with this movie. Mm. <laughs> like at the end of the movie, I, I was feel like, like that about like Old Yeller. I'm like, they need to hit that part harder. Yeah, like like after after the movie, I was like, I was like Jeff. Old Yeller. I was like Jeff. We got to make a movie right now. Yeah, like right now. Like like don't go to bed. At one in the let's morning, make, let's make a movie. Like it's got. We got to do something. At right one now. in the morning, we're in a cabin in the mountains, and Marcus is like, "I want to make a movie right now, right now." All right, but so tell them about Stonewall and what's yeah. happening right now. Uh, so if you are an all access member, which you should be, 
Uh, if you for seven ninety five a month, you get all access. You get every TV show on demand, every after show on demand, the Apologia Academies, the Apologia Forums. You get all that stuff, and you get the movie to watch. Now it's going to be a twenty four hour period. Right. Uh, we don't know when the date will be. I'm going to say, based on conversations we've had, it'll probably be end of October, very early November is when that day will be and we'll drop the movie for 24 hours uh, before it's released to the public and you'll get to watch the movie as an all-access member. Yeah. So we've already had people ask if they could have, you know, little homeschool parties or parties with people at their church and stuff to watch it and we're like, awesome. yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So just, you know, no, seven ninety five. You get a movie and every TV show we've ever done. Yeah. Pretty good. ApologiaRadio.com. And and guys, the, the $7.95 that is for all access members, that that's a donation. And um, you know, that's we, we wanted to do our best to be able to provide additional content and training, and we just need your help to do it. And so the $7.95, you know, it's 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 a donation. We we consider that your partnership with our ministry to help us do what we're doing. I mean, if you've seen anything we've done in the last six months, I mean, and you've participated, you're a part of that. Like, you did that. Like, you're making that happen. Believe me, um, we can't do any of the stuff that we're doing right now and all the plans that we have for the future and getting the gospel to to really difficult places and just being very creative with it too to try to get it in front of as many people as possible. We can't do that without you. So the seven ninety five for all access is really just for our people that partner with us in ministry to be able to help us join with us in ministry. And and we hope to be able to bless you with additional content as we do that. So um, one of the things right now that you should be able to get a hold of in the next couple of weeks is is the the first few lectures of the series that I'm doing on apologetics. So if you haven't seen that yet, um, there the first one is up online so you can get sort of a glimpse of what it's like. It is the course I'm teaching on apologetics leading into how do we reach Mormons. Um, so the first one is at Apologia Studios on YouTube. There, there's more than one out by the time this drops. Yeah, so when this drops, you'll be able to see the first few. Yeah. And if you're all access, you get that. Our next one we're doing is with John Sampson on... Um, the Doctrine of Salvation. I'm very excited about that. So we're going to have like, you know, some pretty heavy hitters like doing our Apologia Academies. You'll be able to get a lot of training. So, I mean, if you think about it, like a seminary, you know, you have to go to and you have to, you know, sit in and, you know, take the courses. It's pretty expensive. We wanted to be able to provide the same kind of like heavy hitters in terms of like theologians and scholars. We wanted to be able to, to have that available to like our listeners around the world um, easy access, you know, for nearly nothing. And um, at the same time, um, even be able to have access to really deep theological stuff for like homeschoolers and things like that. And so that's what that's for. So that's what we plan to do. Uh, for those of you guys that participate <laughs> with us. If your homeschool kids watch this presuppositional academy that Jeff did, they're going to be like in college level automatically. Mm. <laughs> aren't, aren't we uh, also... Like, it's really good. No, oh, it's really thanks, it's man. really in depth too. Okay. Like there's a lot there. So homeschool kids are going to like rule the world <laughs> if they watch all the stuff on the academy. Okay. So apology you had something to say. Yeah, are we also gonna be having one soon on working in a factory or something? Oh yeah, but yeah, maybe something with a guy named Cy who's a Canadian, yeah. eh? Uh, that'll be yeah, so I I would say just based off like what I know of Cy and what I know of Jeff's that we've done. Jeff's will be a, a probably a more advanced presuppositional right. class, and inside will be just like ground level stuff. So it'll be nice street step. level. Yeah, it'll be a real nice <laughs> step. So 
Right on, right on. Okay, so um, yeah, I just want to tell you guys how grateful I am. I know we had sort of a long introduction for the first segment here. Thank you guys for hanging in there. I wanted to do, again, some housekeeping so you know what's up. Um, but I'm grateful. I just want to reiterate how thankful I am to all of you who listen to this show on a regular basis, who encourage us on a regular basis, and who give financially to this ministry. It means a lot to yeah. us. It really does. And... Um, I, I know that I can't get back to all the emails you guys send to us, uh, but I, I do most of the time see these emails and your encouragement, and I want to tell you how much it blesses me. So I'm grateful. Thank you guys for doing what you're doing and praying for us and participating financially. We're grateful, and um, I just can't wait for you guys to see all that is coming uh, that is really as a result of God blessing us with you so thank mm. you um and we'll be right back guys quick break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about the butcher we're gonna talk about sleazy richards <laughs> and uh her before the congressional oversight hearing and we're back with uh, the lady yep ginger king ginger uh, the bear we'll be yeah. back Beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face What what is that you don't know i was for a little like left out i was like is this something I should have yeah. like learned in school or something? <laughs> this does give you an opportunity though to make a retort to a little jab you made at me in the in the uh, podcast. What? That what did I, say? I was not on with you and Marcus. What did I do? Because <laughs> you play or playing some music and Marcus says if Luke was doing it, right, it probably would have been Bob Marley. And I believe Marcus was saying it. And to say that the music would be relevant that's, to the topic. That's true, because we were talking about marijuana. And then, that's oh. and then you, say, you say, yeah, it's pretty great when Luke's uh, on here. I get to choose the music. <laughs> but it was actually a shot at you. It was. Yeah, because your music was. was irrelevant. You didn't oh, get because I, I just didn't see it. Yeah, because yeah. it would have been a marijuana-related song. It's hard to see things song. in here yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, want to hear something funny? <laughs> have, uh, we have children now, so I watch... My wife and I, we have two beautiful kids, so I watch a lot of Door the Explorer. <laughs> That's a good show. I'd probably watch that if I didn't have kids. <laughs> Dora the Explorer. First of all, do the producers think that rhymes? Dora the Explorer. Maybe that rhymes in the Kennedy household. Put on Dora the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Other than there, there's a song in Dora the Explorer that absolutely amazes me. And I wish I had been at the pitch meeting where it was approved. So did you get a chance to work on a song? 
Oh, um, yeah, well, I, rem I remember now. Yeah, we're working on one. Don't worry about it. Why don't you go ahead and sing it for us then? Yeah, okay. Sure, if you want that now. All right, here we go. <clears throat> I'm the map, 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 I'm the map! That was awesome. Uh, I don't know, I bring that up because uh, you and I were having a conversation uh, two was days it ago, Marcus. Immigration discussion yeah. or oh, something? Just, we're, no, talking no. About, we're talking about comedy. We we're talking about the fact that you got a guy like Brian Regan who has completely clean comedy and like he's the comedian's comedian. Yeah. Listening to comedians talking about him like he's their hero. Yeah, Patton Oswald posted on his Facebook page just this really high praise for him because he was clean. And, and Patton Oswald, he's not a He's not a clean comedian at all. And uh, and he was just talking about how comedians look up and respect him because there's not a... He said there's not a hint of vulgarity in his jokes. Like not, right. It's not like there's yeah. cuss words. Just the, the topics he talk about aren't even vulgar. Yeah. And, and so there was just like this real high praise from a comedian who is vulgar saying he's the guy that all the comedians watch and want to be like. And he's clean. I think yeah. that takes so much more talent, it's, too. It is. It's That's easy. It. And then we watched another comedian who was way foul. worse yeah. and foul and an abortion joke. You saw it, Rebecca. Yeah. And we're yeah. just like, yeah. And then easy. throw up. Easy. Yeah. yeah, easy laughs. Too easy to do, to be vulgar and nasty. And, you know, we need people that are, we need more Christian comedians, like comedians that are Christian that like you know can produce like very sophisticated comedy yeah, that's absolutely. good and show the world like you don't need to be dirty and gross and nasty I and, know one but he retired yeah he's, <laughs> 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 he, he might get upset here and say like I'm not retired yo no he said that did he, did he say yeah. that did he oh. say that Anthony. Oh, Anthony oh, he's he, like I'm done he's not retired oh, man. he still can make me laugh speaking of clean comedians Jim Gaffigan yeah the Jim Gaffigan show yeah funniest thing I've ever seen in my life the new one it's just basically if you like Jim Gaffigan, everything he's ever done in his in his stand up, he's like put into a TV show, and it's hilarious. That's I awesome. heard about that. And it's uh, so funny, dude. I, I think Pat Oswald referenced him as another clean comedian. Yeah, that's just Gaffigan. Up there. Yeah, they're really real popular right now. Clean comedy is yeah, yeah. good, making a comeback. You want to hear something funny? Please. You want to hear something funny? Speaking of comedy, <laughs> things that are funny. Here's something that's funny. That you know, typically a president is going to have probably yeah. a, another as a joker, of all right, during the course of uh, his term. And you know, Roe versus Wade is is probably hanging in the balance. Uh, you've got issues like Planned Parenthood, where uh, you know, that organization provides millions of women you know, cervical cancer screenings, mammograms. Oh, excuse me. That was, hold on, we're not done yet. Hold on, there's more. There's more. There's, that's <laughs> President Obama um, on the Jay Leno show talking about Planned Parenthood, cervical cancer screenings, and what? Mammograms. Mammograms. It's really funny now. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really funny. It's, that's, that's, that's clean comedy right there. <laughs> there <is> some <laughs> Where's the laugh track, yeah, right? seriously. All right, so hold on. There's more. So this would be the Planned Parenthood CEO. Hey! 
Thank not you. a laugh track. Thank you. No, that's it good. Was, that's a, I'm, was, I'm happy with but that. My volume was done. I'll get it. I'll get it. Uh, we'll get Planned it. Parenthood CEO caught making false mammogram claim. Uh, here's more. Somebody put it's in the glass. Fun. Like a crystal Sorry. glass. Uh, I, the video I thought was ready, and it's apparently got a little, my a little buildup. <laughs> it's a little buildup. Little... What's going to happen as a result of this, if this bill would ever, if ever becomes law, millions of women in this country are going to lose their health care access, mm-hmm. not to abortion services, to basic family planning, m- you know, mammograms, mammograms, you know, mammograms. <laughs> <laughs> So, so why why is that uh, amusing? Well, it's 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 a lie. It was always a lie. They knew it was a lie. Um, and when you get the opportunity to get these liars um, before people can who can hold them under scrutiny, um, that's where it all begins to fall apart. So, um, the butcher um, Sleazy Richards was before the Congressional Oversight uh, Committee uh, this week. Uh, Sleazy Richards was there? Sleazy Richards was there. (laughs) A lot of footage, but this is uh, one moment during the cross-examination that was happening, really, for hours. Uh, you got to give it to her. She looked really excited to be there, by the way, didn't she? (laughs) She 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 looked (laughs) terrified at points. And you and I thought exactly the same thing. (laughs) It was amazing, right? This is a foreshadowing of her before the judgment seat of God. (laughs) We were saying, right, she looked terrified at moments. Really, she looked uncomfortable and terrified. That's her before human beings. Wow. Not even in a real court. Right. Imagine before the throne of God. And so I, I, I've been praying for her this week, praying for her repentance, yeah. praying to God, yeah. bringing her, because imagine her coming to Christ. Be, be glorious. But here is uh, Sleazy Richards, uh, the butcher, uh, before the Congressional Oversight Committee. Thank you, Ms. Richards, for being with us today. My first question is, how many Planned Parenthood clinics have mammogram machines? There aren't any Planned Parenthood clinics, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, not any have mammogram machines at their facility. And how many Planned Parenthood clinics are there? On any given day, between 650 and 700. Okay, so none, to your knowledge, have a mammogram machine. Right, we have different kinds of arrangements with, um, it, in, depending on the state, to refer women for mammograms. As and I said earlier to, I think, the question to the chairman. Uh, and what sur- surgical services does Planned Parenthood provide? Surgical services. Well, we provide surgical abortions and we provide uh, colposcopy. We do... Um, we do a variety of services and I don't know variety and well here you go so there's well, a good example and, yeah, whatever so here's just a classic example of like just give us Medicaid money like just, li- just whatever, give it to whatever, us. whatever you need whatever just you need. listen and uh, you'll I mean <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it, right? Yeah, just give us your money. Um, Dying over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's important. I was talking to my son about this yesterday. Like, like to like be, like, be willing to listen closely to people so that you can be on the lookout for the tricks. Like right. in political conversation, yeah. it's a trick. 
Like they use particular language like reproductive rights, right? To, to talk about killing a baby, reproductive rights. Well, it's not about the re- right to reproduce. You've already done that. We're talking about killing the baby. And so it's a trick. And in this case, there was sort of a, a, a talking point that got spread as part of political campaigns that the president was uh, promulgating, that um, the, the butcher was promulgating, and it was, you know, all we do mammograms. But when she gets before an oversight committee and the question is asked, well, how many of your locations actually have mammogram machines? Well, the answer is none. How many facilities do you have between 650 and 700, depending on the day? Which is really interesting, by the way. They have yeah. like, they have like, like, temporary like tents they put up and they're like you know come on in they probably have to move locations a lot yeah so anyway um and but the the point is is like even the shady way of saying well, we don't have any in our locations but we actually refer out that's like saying that's like me promoting to people like i make hollywood blockbuster films at Apologia Studios. Hollywood Blockbuster Films, that's all we do. That's why you need to support us because we do Hollywood Blockbuster Films. And if you were to say, like, where's the film and, and where's your equipment to do such a thing? And I said, well, well, really, we don't have any ourselves, but we can point you in the direction of somebody yeah, that does. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I know a place called Universal Studios in California. I can give you I've their number. <laughs> I can give you their number. So it's a trick is, is really what it is. It's, it's a political talking point. And it's just an opportunity for them to basically get people's money. Um, but it's but, on record now. Yeah, it's on record. It's on congressional the, record that they don't do any mammograms. They have no mammogram machines at any of their clinics. So all the people that have used that excuse in the past, it's just, it's done. It's, it's useless. Did you, uh, I don't know if you saw this. There was, uh, you know, that old man brought shot. The, the guy was sitting behind her the whole time. Yeah. Did you hear what he grumbled after that? No. Oh, this is what he said. I, I didn't know if you caught this. You better watch out, you fool. <laughs> you ain't fool. Hey, fool. <laughs> well, there was, okay, so there was several. Uh, we, we, the one we first saw, when you came over the other night and we were like at the studio going through this, um, the one we saw was like a really weird shot where like it had like this very uncomfortable like uh, shot where it was like above like the butcher, but yeah. it was like aimed at the crotch of her lawyers. <laughs> so it was uncomfortable the whole time. That's a bad shot. Yeah. So yeah. The, the one we watched, Luke, was a different shot where it's just on. Oh, I saw, uh, I saw It's just on Sleazy the whole time. And um, uh, okay, so which we wanted to, we wanted to see that shot. That's the shot we wanted. We wanted to see her face, the faces she made. Mm. At certain points. Yeah, and, and in particular, this point. This one. Well, I, want, I want you guys to hear this one. This was, um, uh, for Marcus and I, when we were listening to all this and watching it, this was, we thought, the best moment. Because, listen, the thing that really bothered me was, and I'll just say this briefly, the thing that bothered me is that the hours and hours and hours spent talking about things that don't really matter. Amen. And, and they were, they were th- t- there were times where they were like coming up and they're saying, like, well, a Planned Parenthood, you guys spend 14 thousand dollars a day on travel like what's with that like what's with that i think well that's not the issue it's a 200 million dollar a year uh business like yeah fourteen thousand dollars a day sounds normal to me for a business yeah, of that size yeah, that's, that's traveling silly. around the world that didn't even like, could you imagine could you imagine like you get the opportunity and like hitler is on trial before your congress mm-hmm. hitler yeah and you go you know, you and the Nazis spend like 15 grand a day on travel expenses. Like, right. does that bother you? I mean, you're taking taxpayer money to yeah. travel for 15 grand a day. It's like, 
Guys, that's, you have, <laughs> that's, you that's have not a, the issue here. You have a private they're murdering, chef. Yeah. They're murdering <laughs> Jews. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're worried about whether or not like they fly first class. Yeah, so this <laughs> this was the this was a section, Luke. I don't know if you heard this. Or, I don't know if you've heard this portion. But this was a section that I was like, that's it. That is the whole time every single Christian congressman or congresswoman should have taken this route because it's the real issue. And whether or not... People defund Planned Parenthood. This is the route to take. It's an exposing the darkness, exposing who's, these evil deeds. Who's going to be talking? Uh, right here. Listen. From Oklahoma, Mr. Russell. Mr. Russell from Oklahoma. Thank you, Madam Chairman. And thank you, uh, Ms. Richards, for being here today. Uh, how much total revenue uh, collected or reimbursed for Planned Parenthood and its affiliates comes from abortion services? I believe we've provided all of our financial information. I don't have that number. Do you have a ballpark? No, I don't. But again, I've, we've provided, I know there was some back and forth about this, but we, and I, I just verified it uh, on the break. We've provided all of the 990s, uh, not only for the national organization, but our 59 affiliates, and I believe they're audited financial stop, statements. Stop, stop, so. stop, stop. How is it that a CEO doesn't know how much right. income is generated through one of their main services? Yeah. <laughs> no, she knows. Like, no, no, no. You watch Shark Tank, right? Like Shark Tank, they come in and the guy says, well, how many subscribers do you have a month? And they're like, well, we don't really know how many. And he's like, how do you not know your numbers? You're the CEO. Right. right? Like, and then like they kick him out because they're uncomfortable because the guy doesn't know his numbers. Mm. How is it that Cecil Richards doesn't know? Uh, she does know. She, she just does. doesn't want the world she to does. know how much money they make yeah. from killing babies. Yeah, and that's going to come up in just a moment here. I want you guys to hear the whole thing. It's 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 a, it's not very, very long. Um, just a couple minutes. But I want you to hear the whole thing because I want you to hear what I think was the most important area of attack from a Christian perspective and talking to Sleazy. Um, so stay with us. Um, and you're going to hear the rest of this when we come back. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Deceptive. Like there's these moments where I kept I kept like having these moments watching uh, Sleazy before the oversight committee, where I kept thinking to myself, I can't believe this is happening. Like she is overseeing an organization that kills, mm-hmm. um, dismembers, carves up, 
a thousand babies a day. A day. A day. Yeah. Not in their history. A day. Tomorrow. And then the day after. And then the day, the day after. And I kept thinking, like, as I'm watching her, she had these moments where she just looked so... She was trying to look so humble. And she, you know, yeah. she's so attacked. And, yeah. and she was trying to be so professional. And I'm thinking to myself, here is a woman who's overseeing an organization that's killing a thousand precious little babies a day. It's every single day. Yeah. And she looks... And, and, we're, and people are defending her. And, and I just kept thinking, like, I can't believe we're here. Like, yeah. I can't believe we're in this place. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it reminds me of a Seinfeld um, quote. It's not a lie if you believe it. Mm. And I think they've been in it so long that they actually mm. believe what they're doing is a service. Yeah. Tragic. <sighs> so if you go to the, I just point you guys, you're like, where do I get this? Uh, the Washington Post, their channel on YouTube, Washington Post. It's titled Planned Parenthood President Testifies Before Congress. If you want to see the whole thing, it's it's listed as like 11, 12 hours almost, but it's really only the first like four or five hours she's on there, I believe. Um, and then it goes black. So um, here you go. We'll go ahead and play the rest. If we were to extrapolate uh, from the Planned Parenthood website of the cost of an abortion, the average cost, uh, or of a, an abortion pill, uh, it would be at $1,500 for the service of abortion or $800 for the pill uh, if you multiply that times 327,000, that would come somewhere between 40% or 22% uh, of a figure. Ooh. Regardless, it's Dang. 491 million down to 261 million just from the ballpark figures we see on Planned Parenthood's website. And I have to, can I just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if, actually if that is very not, quickly. that's not accurate, but in any case. Well, then we, uh, would you be willing to provide us what the accurate figure is and when could you provide that to us? Well, you, what was inaccurate is I think what you reported in terms of what a, the cost of an abortion, obviously it varies state to state, so I can't say, but I think your, I think your number was high. Well, we, we would await the accurate figures and um, when would you provide those to us? I've said to the chair, and uh, we have been abundantly cooperative to this committee. We've provided. She kept doing that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watch the oversight committee. Yeah. You will see that every time that she's asked to provide specific information and to mm-hmm. give an idea of when they're going to get those numbers or that information from her, all she kept falling back to was, we have been abundantly clear and we provided so much and thousands of documents. Yeah. It was just a line that obviously yeah. her attorney well, told her to yeah, say. What they don't want people to know is that 3% of their business is over 50% of their income. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what they're trying to hide right. up. That yeah. They're trying to c- cover because it's a profitable business. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a question children. of revenue. Yeah. Right. You know, that right. number is It's not is a ma- matter of how the percentage it's, it yeah. is the revenue. And she did not, like, she would not answer that. We, we provided it. We provided it. It's so abundantly clear that nobody knows the answer. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and she kept falling back to that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, once again, and this was pointed out as well, like, look, the number of 3% is just not true. It's just not true. You do, nope. It's more than 3%. They count all the services collectively together, and abortion may account for one out of five services the person receives when they first walk in the door. But the person came in for abortion. And they got a bunch of other services, counseling services, and maybe an STD test, that testing, whatever. Don't cost anything. And yeah, and, and it's, so they're there for abortion. So abortion accounts for this bulk, this lion's share of their income and what they do. They kill babies. Right. This is an organization that kills babies, pure and simple. And um, you know, it's 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 amazing the thought process that she has to go through for every answer, like we were talking about just how slimy she is. Mm-hmm. Like everything is meticulously calculated in a way 
that she can exonerate herself yeah. from what she really does. Yeah. And it was just amazing to watch just the, the cunningness and thought that went into that is, I mean. It's powerful. It's really, it really uh, is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of pages of documents. And I'm happy to work with the committee and the staff and with my team to provide other okay. information that you need. And I appreciate that. Uh, we'll, we'll continue on. Absent federal funding, what effects specifically would it have on the organization's ability to provide abortion services? I'm sorry, can you restate your question? I yes. just don't think Absent I understood it. Absent federal funding, what specifically would it have on the organization's ability to provide abortion services? These are good questions. You That's just, why she can't answer them. You just They're totally good yeah. questions. You pulled a Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. I don't understand the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> these are, this is why she's struggling because he's going, he, this guy struck at the right point each time. Yeah. Because yeah. she's trying to say, like, we get re reimbursed through these federal programs for the, the services we provide. We don't receive any specific federal money for abortions except in, in cases like rape and incest and the life of the mother, only in those special cases. And we don't get any money for abortion except in those cases. But, you know, that's not, it's such a slippery thing. The, the, the federal dollars go to fund the work of Planned Parenthood, which keeps them afloat and alive, ultimately, and funded to continue right. to kill babies for a living. But another point he's made is that they banked over $100 million last year in profit. They banked it. Profit. Right, $100 million. It was 126, wasn't 120, it? Yeah, so, so they banked over $100 million. And what kept what was being pointed out to her is that you don't need federal dollars to survive as a business. Right. right. Like you're, you're getting, that was one of the best questions. Are you, we're going to play that? Um, I, th I think that's somewhere in here. Okay. Am I yeah. in this one? Yeah, because, I mean, that was yeah. just, I mean, she was freaking out. That, well, that's, I think that is right here next, yeah. Okay. Well, okay, I, I hope I'm answering your question correctly. It's an easy one. <laughs> I'm not in your business, yeah. and I understood what yeah. he was asking. Yeah. No, no money, no federal dollars go to Planned Parenthood or other hospitals or other health care providers so it that would provide have abortion no impact. services. Is that your answer? No impact on what? That on guess that's on what abortion I'm services. If... If we were not reimbursed for family planning, for preventive care... No, I'm asking specifically, if they, absent federal funding, what specific impact would it have on abortion I, I can't think of a specific impact. I'm just trying to make sure. I, okay. I really am trying to be responsive no, to your question. And, and I can see that. Thank okay. you. Um, can federal funds be used for abortion equipment? Federal funds are only, in my understanding, and if there is something that I... There may be something I'm unaware of, but federal funds can only be used for abortion services in very specific instances, which I we talked about earlier, which is if a woman has been raped, if she's sure. the victim of incest, well, or I'm, if it's the life I'm of the mother. curious on the equipment, on the salaries, cleaning services, rent and maintenance of facilities. Uh, Great what about question. That? question. Abor let me just, uh, on the abortion services and on, on federal funding for abortion services, these are... This is actually done through the states. That's where Medicaid funds come through, and they, they, uh, I can get, I mean, sir, we could look at okay. any specifics uh, on we, that, but we that's, would, we that would is like that if oversight by, that. Well, it's the, the federal government, though, that actually is making those decisions. Well, thank you. And mm -hmm. it's uh, not, I mean, just, it's for not the record, Mr. Chairman, we've heard testimony today that 2.7 million receive services in the last reported year. That number is actually over 3 million 
when you add the 327,000 aborted children to that figure. For the record, 2.7 million receive services and 327,000 receive a legal termination. Mm. Boom. Oh. Wow. Boom. Nicely done. That, yeah. yeah. Wow. That, that was the change. Like that, right, right back on course. I mean, it was just yeah. absolutely amazing. This guy was amazing. With no right to choose life. Three of my five children are adopted. It is my firm belief, and the financial evidence substantiates, that Planned Parenthood clearly does not need taxpayer funding to survive. We can carve up a child and call it a choice. We can destroy human life and call it health care. We can make the killing of children legal and pretend it is beneficial. We can cover acts of barbarity with the veneer of civility, but we cannot escape our accountability before the creator of life. Mm. And with that, Amen. Chairman, I yield back my time. Yield it back. He just mic wow. dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Mic yeah. dropped. Gosh, it's so amazing. Finally, we hear a man Who was actually that? say what needs to be said. Oh, man, I have to get to that again. Someone from Oklahoma, I believe it was. Um, oh, it's, okay, it's three yeah. hours yeah. and It's about three hours and 51 minutes into that video I pointed to in the Washington Post. Go to the video, and it's amazing because that, that was the one you and I were looking for, is the, the shot where it's just on her the whole time. Yeah. Because the other one kept switching back and forth. You couldn't yeah, see her. Face just goes cold. Yes, like mm-hmm. it's like she's intentionally don't make a facial expression here. Yes, like mm-hmm. it's just yeah, yeah. She it was the but it, this is one of the only spots in all of this uh, oversight uh, hearing that she doesn't try to be mouthy, say something back, or even respond. She just literally sits there. Yeah, and uh-huh. just stares down, stares up. She doesn't, she, yeah, cold face, yeah. no response. There's nothing she can say no. when you talk about carving up a baby and right. that that's what you're really doing. Right. And she has no response. I mean, like every yeah. other thing everyone's saying to her is giving you the opportunity to say something back. Right. But this was yeah. the one spot where she says nothing. Yeah. Well, and it's like right. you were saying earlier, Marcus, where you said, you know, it's almost like a foreshadowing of her sitting at judgment before God that, you know, we're all going to be there. and Without excuse. Without excuse. And we're not going to be able to say anything in our defense. Right. Yeah. So it was almost like it was a foreshadowing. Yeah, it was Powerful. good. And, and, and listen, I, I'm I, sad that I have to say this, but I understand that what separates me from Miss um, Richards is the grace of God. I understand that. I understand that I am equally guilty before a holy God. I get it, okay? I, and yes, I, I, I have prayed for her this week, and I do pray that God would open her eyes to the truth and she would she would receive salvation and forgiveness for all these murders. Yes. But it doesn't change the fact that we are in a place right now where she's the butcher, she is slaughtering children, she is at the helm of an organization that is in charge of killing a thousand babies a day in our nation. Um, they, they are the ones that are in charge of so much propaganda that is teaching our young children that it's perfectly acceptable to to create a life and then to destroy it and to destroy your own child. She is that one. So um, this was a good moment. I think, praise God for David Daladine Daladin. Who, who couldn't be there. Yeah. Can we talk about that for yeah, a second? Yeah, talk yeah, about okay. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, because a lot of times the Democrat senators and congressmen who were addressing her would say, well, I just don't think this is fair because David Daladin isn't here to d- defend it, and it's kind of one-sided. We're just doing this to her. David Daladin's not there. David Daladin's not there. They kept saying, like, suggesting yeah. that he wouldn't show. Yeah, so here's what happened. Planned Parenthood put a restraining order on the evidence 
for the... Well, I think it was the California uh, Attorney right. General That's did. True. Yeah. Because of Planned Parenthood. Because of, yeah, all right. the... Yeah. So Planned Parenthood goes to court and they put a restraining order on this evidence so that it couldn't be brought up at the congressional hearing. Hmm. So what one of the senators said is all this evidence from David Daladin is in a safe on, on the Hill... It's in a safe locked away in Congress because they're not allowed to access it because of Planned Parenthood's restraining order mm. on the evidence. So every time they say, well, why isn't David Daladin there? Why isn't David Daladin there? Because Planned Parenthood put a restraining order on any was it, evidence. Was it that them? We know for sure it was them or was it the, the California Attorney General that did it? Well, somebody had to take them to court. The initiative, yeah. yeah. They somebody finally, had to, yeah. It had to be. It had to be okay. either them or Nayraw or whoever. Okay. okay. I mean, But yeah. the point is, is, is he couldn't be there. Yeah. Because of the restraining order put. And yet they're saying that he was a coward for not yeah. showing up he and all this stuff. Didn't even, I think Seth Meyers at Club, he said he refused to come. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. He right. refused to come. He couldn't come. Right. It, yeah. it, was, it would have been a violation. He'd have been arrested for revealing that information. Yeah. And so, so, whatever. Yeah. so he did provide what they were asking for. He apparently was willing to show up, but could not do it because of this restraining order. Yes. And they kept saying. They kept saying, "Well, he's he you for you have provided everything we've asked for, Miss Richards, and thank you so much for your cooperation." He apparently doesn't want to, and right. uh, and, and then finally the guy was like, "Ma'am, will you yield? Will you yield?" <laughs> yeah, because he was like, "That's not stop, true. Stop that." He's like, "That's not true. Yeah. We have his stuff in a safe, and yeah. he is he has a restraining order on him right now. He couldn't be here." And they were like, "Well, we're gonna hear from him. Apparently, they're gonna hear from him in like a week or two. Yeah, think about how smart that is, though. I mean, like for Planned Parenthood to say, "Hey, you know what? If we put a restraining." order on the evidence they won't be able to bring it up while you're there yeah so you know the videos and all that stuff was not brought up i mean that's i mean they're they're smart they are <laughs> i they mean are. that's that's really intelligent it, so. it's good so hey guys go check that out and uh, be praying get involved um we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about equal scales we're gonna talk about integrity and honesty and represent representing people um and uh, we'll start with a clip from Dr. James White uh, when we come back. Hey, Alex, is your marriage hard? Yeah, Chris, it is. But like climbing a mountain, it's hard going up. But once you're at the top, it's beautiful. I wish there were a place where people would talk about marriage and the gospel. Wait, there is our podcast, The Rugged Marriage. I really feel like I should have known that. Yeah, recording a commercial has a way of bringing on amnesia. Well... Check out The Rugged Marriage on iTunes and Stitcher. Reform your theology, reform your marriage. And buy your wife some tulips. Let's do something fun. Before we jump into a rather serious topic, let's uh, let's listen to some more of Brian Regan. Uh, this is fun. Uh, Brian Regan uh, talks about how he had a stomach issue and he went into the hospital and he was in the emergency room and she was asking him about um, uh, what's wrong and he was like, it hurts. And she asked him, what's your pain level? So this is really funny. Here's Brian Regan at the hospital. <laughs> So she asks, how would you rate your pain? Four stars. Two enthusiastic thumbs up. She goes, how would you rate it on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the worst? Well, 
You know, saying a low number isn't going to help you. Oh, I'm a two. <laughs> Maybe the high ones. Or you could give me a baby aspirin and cut it in half. <laughs> Maybe a Flintstone vitamin and I'll be out of your hair. You go tend to all the threes and fours and such. If anyone's saying such ridiculous numbers. <laughs> bring myself to say 10 though because I had heard the worst pain a human can endure is getting the femur bone cracked in half and I don't know if that's true but I thought if it is they have exclusive rights to 10 <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm thinking what was I worried about is there like a femur ward at the hospital they would have heard about me and hobble into my room who the hell <laughs> have the audacity <laughs> <laughs> to say he was on a level 10! <laughs> you know nothing about 10. Give me a sledgehammer. Let me show you what 10 is all about, Mr. Tommy A. <laughs> no! 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 I possibly say 10. I can't. So I thought I'll say 9... And then I thought, no, childbirth. I better not try to compete with that. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, you know, it must be hell giving childbirth when your femur bones crack. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I, I guess I'm an eight. She goes, oh, okay, I'll be back. I'm like, oh, I blew it. <laughs> I ain't getting nothing with eight. <laughs> But she surprised me. She comes in, she goes, the doctor told me to give you morphine immediately. And I'm like, morphine? That's what they gave the guy in Saving Private Ryan right before he died. <laughs> okay, I'm a, I'm a four. I'm a zero. I'm a negative 11 teen. Morphine. So they gave me morphine. Wow. All I know is about 15 minutes later, just for the hell of it, I was like, I'm an eight again. <laughs> Guess who's an eight? <laughs> oh, that is so good. <laughs> so, yeah, That's he's awesome. a pretty funny dude. No, okay. So, um, hey, uh, I was listening to Dr. White. Are we going to do this article first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I guess we could do that. Yeah, Before yeah. We let's, do it, let's, do, let's do it quickly because we, let's, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'm not going to read the whole article, but I think the reason I want to do this is because some people sent it to us and were like, hey, how do we respond to this? Okay. So, I, if we can, I'll just go through it quickly. You can give me a quick, concise response. I know that's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Do your best. Okay, so this is from... The blog is called The Christian Left, which oh. there's an immediate red flag <laughs> right there. Right? Oh, wait. Warning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this... it's Alarm bell's going off. Right. <laughs> System failure. System failure. Um, so, the, late, the girl that wrote it, her name is Melanie... She said, uh, many people think that a human being is created at the time of conception, but this belief is not supported by the Bible. <clears throat> okay. So you're like, all right. So she, I'm just going to go through some of the verses and the points she uses. So she says, after God formed man in Genesis 2-7, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and it was then that the man became a living being. Although the man was fully formed by God in all as or respects, he was not a living being in after taking his first breath. What? 
that is a major category (laughs) error. So there's the flaw right there, category error. (laughs) Yeah. So then she uses Job 33.4. It states, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Wow. Um, Again, then she quotes, here's here's the fun one. She quotes Ezekiel 37.5 and 6. Jeff, what's the context of Ezekiel 37? Well, I don't know. I have to look at it. Ezekiel 37. Okay. This says the Lord God to these bones. Sound familiar yet? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. Yeah. So and you shall live. Yeah. I will lay sinews upon you and cause fl- uh, cause so flesh. So the metaphor upon you. that God gives about the gathering of people together. Yeah. So she uses that one. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then um, Exodus twenty one twenty two, it states that if a man causes a oh we were talking about this the other day, it states that if a man causes a woman to have a miscarriage, he shall be fined. However, if the woman dies, then he will be put to death. Is remember on our show? Go ahead. I, you're like chomping at the bit. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm trying well, to recall our well, conversation. Because, no, remember because you were saying that's not true. Because when when a man would have killed, oh yeah, a, yeah, a yeah. baby and womb, he would have been. That's right. Yeah, in Deuteronomy 22, yeah. I think it is. It says that if if two men are fighting, and the man hits a woman who is pregnant and causes the child to be killed, it's Exodus 20, 21. 21. Okay. Uh, 22, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined. So the point is, is if he he causes no harm, harm, then there's just simply a fine. She says if the man causes the woman to have a miscarriage, she's blatantly lying. She's blatantly misrepresenting the passage. You know, I just want to say it's really good that the Christian left doesn't have dominion over critical thinking. Amen. Tell me what you quoted. Tell me what the verse was. This is the first time I'm hearing this. So it's Exodus what now? 2122. 2122? Yeah. That's amazing because yeah. literally in verse 23 it says, but if there is harm, <laughs> right? then you shall pay life for life, right. eye for eye, tooth for tooth, just, hand for hand, foot for yeah. foot. Just keep reading. Yeah, just keep reading, says, Christian left. She said it's not classified by the Bible as a capital offense. Wow. Wrong. Does she even try to read this text? She says, according to the Bible, destroying a living fetus does not equate to killing a, a living human being, even though the fetus has the potential of becoming a human being. No. Um, I'm just going to skip through here. Um... So she says, God has decreed for one reason or another that at least one third of all pregnancies shall be terminated by a spontaneous abortion during the first trimester of pregnancy and that a number will be terminated after the first trimester. It would be, it would appear that God does not have any more regard for the loss of a fetus uh, than he does for the loss of a placenta or a foreskin. Well, that's like saying God doesn't tissues. have, God doesn't have any regard for the loss of any life because wow. everybody dies. Yeah. Right. And what about <laughs> Psalm 139, where he talks about how I've knit you in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess we just gloss over that. Yeah. All my days were written before there's even one of them in God's book. She actually she actually uses that. We oh, should, she we, does. We should, I'd yeah. love to get her on the show, Let's man. Let's get her on the show. Can, Can we, we get her on the show? Let's try Please. Yeah. Yes. Everybody at Apologia, send her tweets and be like, we hey, want on Apologia get Radio. her on the show. In response to what you said, Rebecca, she said, many cite the scripture, <laughs> Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in my womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He says, God is omnipotent. He has known all of us since before creation. This scripture is irrelevant as it pertains to when a fetus fetus becomes a living being. And then she said the same reason applies to Psalm 139. Yeah, yeah, wrong. I yeah, mean, I the, 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 absolutely not. The, the point is, is that God is the one with all knowledge. And he, by the way, 
his knowledge is wrapped up in his decree. What he determines will take place in time. God doesn't just, this is her error here too. God doesn't just take in knowledge about future events. He knows all things because he decrees all things. So if he knows Jeremiah before he formed him in the womb, he had knowledge of what he would do in time and in space with Jeremiah in the womb and beyond. It was an intimate knowledge of Jeremiah he had before he was formed in the womb. But the point was, is that Jeremiah was known by God in God's mind before he formed him, actually made him his own personality. God had determined to be an intimate relationship with Jeremiah, knew him before he formed him in the womb. This is important. God actually creates us in our mother's womb. The Bible says that God forms the spirit of man within him. God is the creator of all life. God creates us in his image. There is no question that in the law of God, God in the specific text of Exodus 21, 22, it says specifically when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury. The one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him and he must pay according to to judicial assessment. So that is if, if there is no injury because what? Because that baby, that woman both have value and there is an imposition of a judicial sanction if you create harm um, but there's no ultimate injury there in the sense of like where it actually ends up but it actually says right after that it says that if you do cause harm you pay life for life so if you actually cause the death of that baby the assumption there is if you cause the death of that baby it's life for life that's a death penalty Mm -hmm. so god actually sanctions the death penalty if you cause the harm leading in death to the baby in the womb Mm -hmm. which means the baby in the womb is considered what image of god right because what does the Bible say? And there's just no question about this. What does the Bible actually say? Um, and uh, let me get to this text here, okay? The Bible says in Genesis 9, 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. That's Genesis 9, verse 6. So God's standard for taking the life of another image bearer is you forfeit your right to live, you die. And so the text the sanction in Exodus is if you cause the death of a baby, and there's also another text as well, if two men are fighting and as they're fighting, they, create, they actually right. cause, it's case law. The point is, is, if you cause the death of a baby in the womb, then you have forfeited your right to live. Why? Because you're made in God's image, and whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Here's the point. Exodus 21, 12. Whoever strikes a man so that he, should, he dies shall be put to death. If you cause the death of another image bearer, you die. Right. And if you cause the death of a baby in the womb, you die, according to God. This person just simply does not know what they're talking about. And um, one other one other passage she uses is is Exodus twenty. You you know this argument where she says there's a difference between where God said you shall not kill, and there's a difference between that and murder. Yeah. Well, the point is, is the 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 word ratzak in the Hebrew. Ha, is within the semantic domain of the word murder. The, the word there, because obviously in the text, Moses actually brings down the tablets, right? And it says, you right. should not kill. Do we honestly think that Moses was saying you can never kill ever? Because in the same text, it says, after it says you should not kill, it says that you shall kill the person who kills another person. Do you get the point? Mm-hmm. Listen to that again. God says you should not kill, part of his Ten Commandments, Right. But then he tells them right afterwards that if you if you actually murder somebody else, then you shall take that person as a civil sanction and give them the death penalty. So do we really think God's saying you should not kill? Or is there a context to the killing? And that is obviously murder. Mm. There is justified killing in the Bible. 
That is, if you take somebody's, somebody else's life, if there's a rape, those sorts, sorts of instances. But there is also the domain of the word, which is ratzak, which is murder. You should not murder. And absolutely, taking the life of a baby in the womb is called murder. There's just no question. There's no way out of it in the scriptures. The better thing to do for someone like this is just to say, I don't believe it. Hmm. Like that's that would cause, I think, a greater deal of respect in my own mind for someone like this is that they simply say, I know God says that in his word. I don't believe it. I reject it. Now, there are people like that. There are liberal, quote unquote, liberal Christians that will just say, I don't I don't buy it. Like, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I don't believe everything the Bible says. I don't believe what Paul said. Mm. I don't believe it. I don't follow it. I think it's archaic. There's guys like John Shelby Spung that will call himself a Christian. He'll just say it. I don't believe it. I think it's archaic. It's wrong. Mm. We've evolved. There's a guy who has more integrity and honesty, at least. He's not simply trying to squeeze his position into the scriptures, right? And say, well, it actually says this when it doesn't. It doesn't say that. So um, this person could not sustain this in a debate. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't be done. Before we go to break, yeah. Last week, me and Luke challenged Rebecca Watson, who's the lady who said, We don't sell Planned Parenthood doesn't sell effing baby parts, whatever. And so we told everybody on Twitter, when you listen to the show, tag Rebecca Watson, tell her we we want her on the show. (laughs) We want her to debate that position. And so she responded today. Oh no. She just responded. And somebody said, uh uh Apology Radio invites you to call and defend your position on abortion and Planned Parenthood publicly. Hashtag debate Rebecca Watson. And she responded and said, I'd love to just after I call into Coast to Coast and defend my position on lizard people. So I'm not sure what that means. I think because it sounds like she's attacking her own because she's the one that's denying science here. Right. Right. And like denying like, so is like observable facts. Yeah. So is she, is she really going to call in and defend lizard people? Or is she saying that like we're the crazy people? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's outrageous. This is the thing is that people like her um, and people that like write these articles here, they cannot sustain their position in a cross examination under scrutiny and can I just say I'm okay with that? Because, like I said, like if they're going to just want to be on their own little Twitter profiles and they don't want to actually have to engage their position in a critical way, we win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we win. Like okay, well, just remain in your little bubble. I'm surprised, and we're going to engage this rationally and critically, and that'll that'll be what will win out in the future. So. I am surprised though that Rebecca Watson didn't take down the video. Because she made those remarks when the videos first started coming out. Yes. And I'm surprised that after the videos came out yeah. and Planned Parenthood admitted that they sell effing baby parts, <laughs> you, you idiot. idiot. Right. Um, that, uh, that she didn't just take it down and uh, do a retraction. That would have required integrity. Yeah. And honesty. Yeah. And why do bags of protoplasm right. atoms have to well, have honesty and integrity? she doesn't have to. Yeah, right. She doesn't right. have to hold any standard at all because atheism has no standards. Right. Um, no objective standards. So, all right, guys. So we are going to get to a quick video. Um, last segment here. We're going to try to do all this and uh, stay with us. Dr. James White. We'll get to him now. Next segment. Hi, this is Baltimore with Apology Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. 
and Facebook backslash Paldrin Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. ApologiaRadio.com things about being a Christian is that you have an objective standard outside of yourself that you can look to, appeal to, be conformed to. It's the standard. Jesus says in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. So his word is the standard. It's the plumb line. It's what we all take our positions to, to be conformed to. It's a gift. It's a gift to have God condescend and to step down into history and to reveal himself to us and to give us his word. So in that, listen, as fallible human beings, we'll have disagreements with one another. As Christians, we're going to have disagreements. We come from particular cultural context. We have ideas and beliefs that we've adopted, that we embrace. And as Christians, you come to the Bible and you get shaped by that. And as Christians, we come together in community with each other and we, we may have different views. And we have, uh, maybe we're raised in a particular kind of church context that said one thing about the Bible and we've adopted that. And so we get with one another and we get shaped by God's word. Like it's just what's going to happen to us, right? Like one day, um, there will be no more Presbyterian church. It will just be... <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Dang. I'm totally kidding. I, I know you're kidding. I, <laughs> so, um, but we're going to be shaped together. But listen, in the process of us being shaped by God's word together, listen, we, I, I want to just, this is saying, saying it to myself as well. Wanna, we want to be committed to accurately representing one another as we critique each other. So Dr. White has encouraged me over the last, um, 20 years of my life watching him reading his books listening to his 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 stuff he's encouraged me because he's really taught me to um accurately represent my opponent to be committed to truth and to love truth and to make sure that i do my best to accurately represent the other side as i critique them and so here's an example of uh, dr white um this week on the dividing line responding to an issue where there were some people who were saying that the pope had said that jesus failed his cross was a failure um and dr white was saying no in context he was saying humanly speaking the cross was a failure so dr white was kind of defending the fact that like look christians you can say well because the pope is a false teacher that you can just misrepresent him. Like there are bigger things to attack about what the Pope says than silly little statements that really are not saying what you're saying they're saying. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so this this was good. So this is Dr. White talking about how as Christians we need to be committed to honesty and equal scales. Way to understand this that is far more fair and it just seems like for some people being fair 
to a false teacher is irrelevant. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're, we're Christians. It doesn't matter if he's a false teacher. You still have to be fair. That's, that's just simple truthfulness. That's just being honest with the material. But for a lot of folks, no, 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 no. That's, you're, you're, for some folks, it's, it's frightening. Some folks seem to think that if you call for, demand, fairness in handling the claims and teachings of a false teacher, you yourself are compromising. To which I just go, where did you get your definition of truthfulness? We have to, there are all sorts of effective apologetic arguments that I can never utilize because I would be compromising my commitment to Christian truth to utilize them. They may be very effective. They may have a great emotional impact upon somebody. Someone might be making hay with those arguments over in such and such a place. But it's still simply not an option for a Christian believer. If we have the proper commitments to the issue of truthfulness, integrity, if we claim to be following him who is the truth, we we have to bend over backwards. Even if people don't do that to us. Even if people mistreat us. Even if people are constantly uh, saying untruths about us and, and misinterpreting every word we ever said. And of course, that happens to me all the time. And so, for me, I am ex- especially sensitive to it. Because I experience it all the time. I have people constantly say, well, you said such and such. I said, what? Oh, right here, you said such and such. And I look at it and say, how could you possibly rip that out of that context and read into it whatever you jolly well want to read? I wasn't even talking about that. So there's a, it was a great discussion. It has happened to come up this week in the context of um, somebody made a video about moi. Someone made a video about me. And... Um, I, I thought it would be good to, I, mean, I think maybe offer an encouragement, like and not necessarily in this situation, but just to us as Christians in general. Like I know I, I probably have failures here as well, and I do have failures here as well, especially in my past as a young man, uh, just not being overly cautious and careful, making sure I fully understand. But this is maybe an encouragement, like look, you know, have a higher standard. Um, be committed to accurate representation of the other side. Make sure you understand what they're saying. So. Um, this video um, was titled Postmill Insanity. <laughs> and the title of the video is Christians Who Want Christ to Return Are in Sin. Christians Who Want Christ to Return Are in Sin. Well, we don't believe that. We want Christ to return. I want Christ to return. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? But, but see, here's a great example of a person who, ha- who lacks integrity. He's the kind of person that Dr. White is talking about that will not be committed to Christian truth, uh, to, to truth as a Christian, that you are willing to actually um, misrepresent somebody's position. Um, and it just ought not to be so. Christians who want Christ to return are in sin. Now, 
Anybody who knows me, and particularly my children this week, will tell you that um, I promote the great hope of Christ's return and the resurrection. Absolutely. But you see, I do so within the context and framework of the scriptures. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul quotes the most quoted verse in our New Testament from the Old Testament. And that is Psalm 110.1. That is that Jesus must reign until he makes all his enemies a footstool for his feet. And then after all of his enemies are a footstool, then the last enemy is death. That's the goal, right? That's where we're going. And so that's the, that's the portrayal of history that the Apostle Paul gives, the history history according to the Apostle Paul going forward is that Jesus is reigning, putting his enemies under his feet. The last enemy is death. And so what I told my kids this week is the great hope we have is that Jesus will never lose any of us. We are in his hands. No one can snatch us from his hand and he will raise us up on the last day. There's the hope we have in Christ. But see, here's the thing. This man quotes my video. I'll let you hear it. And then we'll just talk about uh, accurate representation um, right here. Yeah, I wanted to make really quick. I've, I've, uh, I've been trying to set this up. Right. Hopefully it works right this time. Um, just a quick video. Um, most people um, don't know much about post-millennialism. I want to show a clip or two from this guy named Jeff Durbin who uh, has a couple popular messages. You can see that this one come out. It's got 23,000 views basically. About 30,000 combined with this other one uh, between the two. So a lot of people um, don't know what post-millennial is. Post-millennialism, the view that, you know, it gets better and better. Well, this guy... Wait, that's wait. <laughs> he doesn't really know post-millennialism. No, no way. It, it's not just the view that things get better and better. It's 1 Corinthians 15, okay? It's Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It's Daniel 7, 13 through 14. It's, it's the clear teaching of Scripture, not simply that things get better, but that Jesus is reigning. It's that Jesus has a kingdom which will never be destroyed. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. It's the view of Jesus that he gets the nations. It's, it's Genesis that Abraham is descendants as numerous as the stars. It's, it's the view of the scriptures that Jesus in his kingdom and his reign actually has victory through his gospel, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. It's not simply that things get better. It's that God's salvation actually is effective and mm. it gets to the ends of the earth so that, so that the world is converted to Christ through faith and salvation. See, it's not just that things get better. The byproduct of people coming to Christ is that there is fruit and flourishing and all those different things, but it's because people are reconciled to God. We believe in a victorious Messiah who has a victorious gospel. So here, here you go. So it's, it's not simply that the view that things get better. He has a, a view that, you know, the world's going to get better and better, eschatology. And I want you to see some of the things that he's actually saying um, that I believe are pretty outrageous and uh, just kind of highlight it and see what you think about it. There are, many, there are many reasons as to why this would take place in a culture that has so many Christians. I think the primary reason is eschatology, that if we believe that the worse the world gets, the better it is for us. As a matter of fact, as a result of this decision, you saw on social media a flurry of things happening. And one of the things I saw that broke my heart so many times is people posting this stuff, saying things like, Maranatha! Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Jesus. That is the greatest act of hatred for your neighbor. Okay, so first you see a straw man made where 
apparently everybody who is pre-meal or all-meal um, somehow uh, thinks that the worse it gets, the better it is. Nobody believes that. We just well, okay. that's not true. That's not true. And I don't see anywhere in that sermon where you said everybody mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. lives consistently with their position. That's right. You were saying that there were people, which there are. You see it. You can I was one of those people. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was absolutely. too. And so were you. Yeah, so right. was I. So, so were you. Okay, so here's some of those people. But, you know, but here, here's some specifics. I mean... Uh, there, this the we can multiply text here ad infinitum ad nauseum, honestly. But you can look at guys like Hal Lindsey that says that Christ died for us in order to rescue us from this pre- present evil age, and that these um, these verses show what our focus, motivation, and hope should be in this present age. We are to live with constant expectation of the any moment appearing of the Lord to His this earth. And he says this, that the world will progressively harden its heart against the gospel and plunge itself into destruction. And, and another one, this is call is that we should be living like persons who don't expect to be around much longer. Wow. That's how Lindsay or R.A. Tory puts it this way. The darker the night gets, the lighter my heart gets. Wow. The darker the wow. night gets, the lighter my heart gets. You see, this we can again we can multiply this over and over and over. That I mean, Charles Ryrie making statements, dispensational premillennialist about um, the, the the world itself. That um, uh, he says, uh, let's see, da, 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 da. defection and apostasy among other things will characterize the entire period of church history. Dave Hunt argues that only a small percentage of mankind is willing to come to Christ in repentance and be born again by the Spirit of God, and that the vast majority of people will continue to reject Christ in the future just as they have in the past. And there is, I mean, you can multiply verses by MacArthur, passages from their their books, talking about the fact that the world is simply going to get worse. And if people say, well, nobody believes that, you know, it's the worse it gets, the better it gets for us. Listen, I came out of a context that I truly believe that as the world got worse, the greater was my hope because I would be raptured out. That as the world collapsed into darkness, we would be raptured as it plunged into darkness. I, I know people who didn't want to have children because of Leo. dispensational theology. Yeah. And like, that's Leo real. Like that, yeah. You said Leah? Yeah. Yeah, she said that. Yeah, yeah, Leah said that she was, she didn't want to have kids. She didn't yeah. want to bring kids into a world where things are just going to get worse yeah. and worse. Many people have that testimony. Yeah. And, and what I was saying here in this particular sermon, please understand this to the gentleman that wrote that to that gave that made this video please understand this that my particular point of contact here was in the context of our culture our culture as christians we see collapse and our response to the collapse of culture is lord come and get us that's the context is that when there's collapse Christians respond to it with, come and get me. What I said was, in that context, it's a great hatred for neighbor. When you see the world plunging into darkness, you say, just get me out of here. Because what is it? It's indifference towards your neighbor. It's hatred for your neighbor because you're saying that I I am not concerned enough for my neighbor in the world. And so I would rather just escape and get out. And what I said was, that's hatred for neighbor. And that's the context of my comments. Not that we don't want Christ to return or that Christians who want Jesus to return are in sin. If that were the case, then I'm in sin. Mm. 
Because I want Jesus to come back in victory. But it's when you see collapse of culture that you say, Maranatha, just get me out of here. That's like saying, I I can care less about the person, the neighbor next to me. To hell with them. Come and get me Jesus. I... Sorry, I, I used uh, an example when the whole SCOTUS thing went down of someone that my wife was talking to and her response was, uh, my my bags are packed and I'm all prayed up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you have this philosophy of, of being out of touch with uh, the culture, out of touch with your neighbor, and that's why we have almost 60 million babies that are dead in our country is because we've checked out, the church has checked out of the culture. Yeah. Yep, well, let's, here's, here's some more. Things that the Bible teaches that it gets worse, which is very clear. And then we think it gets better because Jesus returns. Um, There's a problem with how you just explained that. Um, The the Bible does not teach, does not teach that the world just gets worse before Jesus gets back. You're confusing texts in scripture that describe the soon coming judgment coming of Jesus in the first century with passages about the final day of resurrection. Because I say this, 1 Corinthians 15, there's no other way to exegete that passage except to display that Jesus is reigning now, currently putting his enemies under his feet, and then after every enemy is under his feet, then the last enemy is death. All things are to be put into subjection to Jesus. And if you say, well, I believe that at the end of history, the problem with that and premillennialism is that Paul puts that reign now, not future. He puts that reign now. Jesus on the throne now, putting his enemies under his feet now. And what's next for us is all enemies under Jesus' feet and the last enemy death. After all things put into subjection to Jesus, then he delivers it over to the Father as a done thing. We're not waiting for Jesus to come back to establish an earthly throne on earth. Jesus already said he brought the kingdom. Paul says he brought the kingdom. John says he brought the kingdom. That's an unavoidable fact of scripture. 1 Corinthians 15 does not teach that the world gets worse and worse before Jesus returns. There was simply no way to get that into that passage. And a lot of those passages where they refer to people, things getting worse and worse, like 2 Timothy 3, when it says that people will be disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Uh, and, and so though that, they don't ever read past that when it says in verse 9, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men, uh, speaking of Janice and Jambres. So even in the context of things getting worse, it says, but they won't get far yeah. because their folly will be plain to all. And we see that with Planned Parenthood now. Like their their folly is starting to be plain to everybody. Yep. It's mm. like, wow, they're actually really killing children. Right. They're not only killing it, they're selling their body parts. They're now in front of Congress having to try to defend this. And so we see that principle that they'll be lovers of themselves, they'll be this, they'll be that, but they will only get so far. And yeah. so that's why when you see people who are living out their worldview, our position should be continue to do that because you're not going to get very far. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you, the, those societies are not the ones that conquer in yeah. the end. And it's amazing. People say, well, I'll just be praying for it. And it's, I think we forget that. You know, that's a part of checking out, too, is it's supposed to be prayer with action. What's really been heavy on my heart this week, having been out at the mill, is Ephesians 5.11, which is have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Well, exposing, it's a verb. It's a verb. Is it called action? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that's so great. there's there's more. 
and sets up his kingdom, or the Amils will say Jesus returns and puts an end to everything. So, no, I think that's misrepresentation, but what's worse is you have this guy who's effectively proclaiming that everybody who says, come quickly, Lord Jesus, which is the testimony of the end of Revelation and the end of, I think, 1 Corinthians, Paul says it, um, he thinks that you're in sin, that you're... <laughs> Do you think that, that what you said? Said? don't you think that it's important that when you critique a brother, you accurately represent what he says? Because what happens is, is you end up looking like a person who lacks integrity. What, what, what happens here, and I'm going to say this to this gentleman if he ever hears it, is that this marks your record, right? It marks your record in your own personal history. People begin to look at you and say, well, I don't know if I can actually trust this person. Not to say that Christians, we're not ever going to make mistakes in assessments, right? right? It's that something like this is such blatant misrepresentation. It shows a lack of concern for truth. Right. And people end up not trusting you. Again, not making errors, right? Of saying, well, I thought this and not this. But is that you are so misrepresenting somebody's position that it marks your record as somebody not to be trusted. Right. Because what I said was in the context of cultural decay, when Christians see cultural decay and they say, Lord, come get me, that's hatred for neighbor. You see, that's the context. I didn't say that Christians who want Jesus to come back are hating their neighbor in an ultimate sense. I didn't say people who quote Maranatha and long for the day that Jesus returns ultimately are in sin. I'm saying that Christians who actually respond to cultural decay with Jesus, take me out of here, are hating neighbor. It's indifference. And by the way, there's also a context to Revelation, the last chapter, the context which is seen in the very beginning of Revelation chapter 1, where uh, John says that he um, is in the tribulation with those saints. And I'm going to go ahead and read the text here real fast. This is the beginning of Revelation and the end. He says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must that must soon take place the soon take place blessed verse 3 is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and and keep what is written for the time is what near you also have the very clear display in verse 7 behold he's coming with clouds with the clouds every eye will see him even those who pierced him who's going to see him Who's going to be present for this judgment coming of Christ? Those who pierced him. Mm. Any of those people hanging out today? Anybody, uh, any I hope not. Hanging out today? <laughs> no, he's coming soon. James says he's at the door. The text says those who pierced him will see him. And the end of Revelation comes after an entire book of Revelation where there is the harlot about to be judged by the beast, which is Rome. And the promise is vindication for God's people. And the key text at the end is he's coming. His reward is with him. Coming soon. There's vindication for God's people coming. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. By the way, what's it say? Come quickly. quickly. That's first century, brother. You can't impose your presuppositional commitments to either dispensational premillennialism or premillennialism, whatever system you hold to. You can't impose that presuppositional commitment to that tax, what you have over that text, upon me and chastise me for not having that interpretation. You see... Unless unless you're not taking the Bible literally. Yeah. Well, I do yeah, take that yeah, text literally. Right, I right. think soon means soon. Right. I think quickly means quickly. And those who pierce them means those who pierce them. Yes. And I'm reading it... <laughs> Actually, literally, right, and um, and the, the problem here is just 
imposing your view. See, watch here. It's, it's that you are imposing your presuppositional commitments of interpretation upon others saying, well, the text just says this. No, the question is, what does the text actually say? And we do the hard business of exegesis. Let's go ahead and listen to some more. Your neighbor, if you say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I think that that's very bizarre and uh, damaging to people. Um, and I think this is a case where your eschatology gets a little bit out of hand and uh, nutty uh, when you when you start rebuking people for wanting Christ to return. Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, I believe that when Jesus says, here's how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that Jesus tells us to pray that prayer because he intends for its fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm supposed to, as a Christian, pray daily that God's kingdom comes, that his name is holy throughout the earth, and that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't take that to mean that Jesus is, is asking me to pray that I am taken out of the world. Jesus seems to have a focus on the earth. Like he says right. this in Matthew chapter 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. Or I believe that Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of what? All, all the nations. nations. And doing what to them? baptizing them and what teaching them to what obey and so very clearly jesus has i think a different perspective than this gentleman in the sense that his view is very much earthly salvation the nations the ends of the earth the meek inheriting the earth his will being done on earth as it is in heaven so what i'm saying is is that when you take a view opposite of jesus that's an error And I think that when Jesus says to the Father in his high priestly prayer, John 17, Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Mm -hmm. I actually believe that as Christians, that should impact the way we think about our time here. That Jesus is saying, I don't pray you take them out of the world. I pray you keep them from the evil one. I pray that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, I think that should affect the way we think. And I don't think that Jesus' statements there are nutty. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that I'm nutty for believing those statements. That's just one example you may say, oh, that's out of context. Well, here in this other video, this is more recent. Um, In this video, he calls Kim Davis a Christian. A lot of people do. She's a oneness uh, Pentecostal, from what I understand, or maybe an apostolic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just wait. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, keep going, though. Okay, okay. Holiness or whatever, Christian. They deny the Trinity. Yeah, that's not Christianity. But Mm -hmm. for And he he actually says he doesn't. So, okay, so let's, so he says, he actually says that she's a Christian. Once again, my friend, my friend, this begins to mark your record, yeah. not as an error of thought, but as an error of misrepresentation yeah. and lack of integrity. Yeah, you, you say that in that sermon that she's, we don't know. Yeah. Can I play it? I have it. Yeah, well, it's right here. That's right, why I right, want right. you to keep playing because he actually says See, the contradiction. Well, then he says, but then he well, says, watch, well, he says first of all, he actually says she's a Christian. Now listen to the sermon, guys. It's in the same sermon he's critiquing. Experienced something really tremendous, tremendous. I really want to say up front, I know very little about Kim Davis. People question her beliefs, whether she's apostolic and she denies the trinity for the purposes of this discussion it doesn't matter if she denies the trinity i'm not calling her a christian oh, oh. oh. <laughs> ah. Ah. well well what do you do with that <laughs> so here's my i think i hope loving respectful critique to this gentleman 
you are creating a record for yourself of not again we can make errors I understand that but you are creating a record for yourself of a lack of integrity in, in representation when I say directly I'm not calling her a Christian and then you say he calls her a Christian it, it shows something that you're either ignorant or a liar hmm. both are not to be trusted in theology both don't want to call her a Christian but then proceeds to use her as an example of a Christian and call her a Christian multiple times so I'll let him deal with that I'm not really concerned with it I think that it's kind of silly that we would use someone who denies the Trinity um, as an example just so we can you know preach what we want to about you know cultural Christianity politics all that type of thing I don't disagree that we don't need to I do think we do need to engage culture but I think that this guy presses post meal eschatology into anything and everything he possibly can you know what because the apostle paul did <laughs> because jesus did you know what it is it's not post-mill eschatology if, if that's uncomfortable for you here's what i'd like you to do in representation this guy preaches the kingdom of the messiah in everything he does i i i, I think that if you read the last chapter of the book of acts you will see the apostle paul doing something that sir you might not do a lot of. And I mean that out of respect for you. Maybe you do. I don't know your life, so I won't say it as a, as a, as, as 100%, I, but I, I think you should look at what Paul is doing in the book of Acts, last chapter. It says that he is with them and he is proclaiming the kingdom to them day and night. It's what the topic of discussion was on a regular basis, the Messiah's kingdom, the Messiah's mm-hmm. kingdom. And that's what we're doing, is proclaiming the Messiah's rule and authority and kingdom over all things. Right. Now, I can't, I'm not going to go through this entire video because it's not worthy of any more response. At this point, we're three minutes and 28 seconds in and we can't even get proper representation. So here's what I want to say to this gentleman. Um, I'd be happy to respond to any meaningful critique you had, scripture-wise, um, but... This is a good example. I think of what Dr. White was talking about. Right. Is, is a lack of integrity and representation right. of, of somebody. And then you need to have equal scales as a Christian and expect if you want people to represent you accurately, you need to represent others accurately. It's very, very important. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, I, th- I think, you know, again, uh, there's a sermon we gave, I'm sorry, another sermon, a radio show we did on the Great Tribulation, Past or Future. I think it would be highly beneficial to this gentleman. Uh, we also did a show with Kenneth Gentry on Re- the Book of Revelation. I think it would be highly beneficial to this gentleman. I'd be happy to go to any particular text and do an exegesis of it to say what does it actually say in its context. Is that a mic drop? Well, I, no, I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think the internet creates this idea that anybody can just respond with authority who really shouldn't be responding with authority. And, you know, we see like the discernment bloggers and like, it's really become a, a a cover up, I think for gossip and slander of brothers, you know, and it's really created like these lines where we could fellowship. For instance, like, I'm Presbyterian, you're a Baptist, yep. and we fellowship and hang out, and like it's not an issue. Right. But then on the internet, like there are these staunch lines of division. Like we mm. don't want to associate with those kind of people. Right. Right. And it's just like, why can't we just have disagreements on eschatology and still come together and fight uh, for the kingdom? Like, I mean, why, that, like that's or, our or show, whatever. right? Our, yeah. uh, how many people do we have on this show? 
my friend, Dr. James White, he's not post mill. Right. Um, you've got, we had Dr. Michael Brown on, who's yeah. our, he's Arminian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean. And that's not denying like sound theology. It's right. like, we're not going to, we're not saying you guys are, you know, false teachers or whatever. We're just saying, hey, we have disagreements. We have theological disagreements, but there's still a there's common ground uh, there's common ground there and and that we don't think you're an unbeliever just because you're wrong about that theology and the internet creates these people who become very narrow-minded and narrow focused in their in their theological views to where you're either with them or you're not saved but don't be a db is what you're saying discernment blogger blogger, yes (laughs) that's right don't be a discernment blogger good all right, so uh, let me just do a quick thing real fast to a friend of mine. I think it'd be helpful to do. Um, uh, I got a buddy, uh, Turgeon Fan. Um, we've had him on the show before. Um, he's brilliant. Yeah, uh, Turgeon Fan smart. has a sharp, 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 sharp mind. He's. I get a lot of respect for Turgeon Fan. I I do consider him a friend. I really love the guy. Do you um, even know who he really is? I, you know. <laughs> All I know is he's Turretson fan, and uh, no, I don't say, even I'll think Dr. White really knows who he is. No, he does. So oh, he's, does he? he? He's someone I, I think I would call a friend, and um, uh, online, and uh, again, he's been on our show, and uh, that episode is up at ApologiaRadio.com. So he asked me a question, um, which I love how he did it. He said, Jeff Durbin, uh, question regarding theonomy. Uh, that means God's law, for those of you guys that are new to the show. One of your recent shows, you suggested that the I-10 shooter, I think that was the person you specified, it was, uh, should be executed for attempted murder. Where do you find the scriptural basis for executing people for attempted murder? I see a scriptural command for executing those who actually kill people. I'm not sure where one finds it for in Coati crimes? You may you I think you're a lot smarter than me, Turretin fans. And what crimes? What? I don't know if I don't, what? I don't know what the word was. <laughs> okay. Was that English? <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell that? I gotta go look that up, Turretin fan. I gotta okay. Here, spell right. it and I'll and uh, I-N-C-H-O-A-T-E. Incohete. Is it like <laughs> Is that incoherent? I, I was cracking about I don't know. So okay, anyway. Um crimes that were not uh, actually oh, okay. you know brought to their full end um okay so um good question uh francis turretin turretin fan by the way when you said that i was like why did you say that yeah yeah yeah, so okay first and foremost you're absolutely right if we look to the bible first of all how cool is it that we're going to the bible to say what's god's standard right i love that i'd rather do that than not go at all than not go to the bible (laughs) at all so yeah here's my (laughs) primary argument what are god's standards that's what i want to do and look at the bible and here's the point this is i think what i referred to a minute ago we may make an error in judgment and be corrected by something as we move along that might actually happen um i don't think i've made an error here but i'm willing to be corrected by the scriptures if i have but i think it's really great that we're going to the Bible to figure it out. Okay, first point to be made here is that we're in agreement that Genesis 9-6 says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. So God's standard is if you murder somebody, the judgment, the sanction is the death penalty. That's in a number of different places. You can have Exodus 21-12, Exodus 21-23-25. Um, that's, that's clear, okay? That the death penalty is given um, to those who kill others, take their lives. So I think we're in agreement there. So I, there's obviously no problem there. But here's a question. What about somebody who actually, the, the I-10 shooter, he's a guy who fired a deadly weapon at 
numerous vehicles over a pe- an extended period of time. In other words, it was maliciously done. It was done repeatedly with a deadly weapon shot directly at vehicles can, that held families, little kids. A little, and your wife. And my your wife. wife yeah. my, my car was shot with, with a projectile, but this was, a, this was actual, actual bullets fired into vehicles on the I-10. There was a little girl who was actually just barely missed in the glass cutter, and um, he was aiming at the windows. He was aiming at the people. Okay, so the question is, what do you do with a guy who actually tried to kill people but didn't actually succeed. He didn't actually end the life of the other person. So this becomes a sticky situation. I confess Mm. to that, right? So here's my position. If there were a case where it was two guys getting a fight and the one guy beats the other guy up really bad, I don't think you can prove intent there to murder. You can't prove that. You don't know what's going on in the guy's heart. Was he trying to kill the person? He was using his fist. He was using a stick, whatever, you know. Um, and maybe in that kind of case, it might be extreme, like the stick is, you know, so this was where it gets kind of difficult. But in this case, here was a man over an extended period of time who fired a deadly weapon knowingly and intentionally at cars full of families. So in that case, here's my reasoning. If I go to the Bible for kind of a case law example, I see in Deuteronomy chapter 19, um, here's 19, five, 15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So there's the law that Jesus appeals to in the New Testament and Paul appeals to in the New Testament as this is, this is what we do. We have two or three witnesses, two or three independent lines of testimony and witness. Okay, now watch this. If a malicious witness arises... To accuse a person of wrongdoing. He turned down a little bit. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who were in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and the rest shall hear and fear and you shall never again commit any such evil among you. Here it is, ready, here's the standard. Your eye shall be not pity. It should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. for foot. So the point is, is equal justice for what was caused. And it says do unto them as they intended. Intended. So in this case, watch, in this case, there's a person being brought up on murder, murder charges. Okay, that's the case here. A false witness comes in and says, oh, I witnessed him, I saw him, right? And he was, and the point was, is the person's being brought up on murder charges and what they would get as a judicial sanction for murder is what? The death Death penalty. So the false witness is spreading false witness about the person that would actually end in their death. Okay? It's attempted murder. It's attempted murder. And in that case, what would have happened is murder. Right? Or, right or the death of the person. And so your intention to maliciously lie like this would have led to their death. So now you will get what would have been brought on them. You will have your life taken. So in this case, where you have a case of extreme, where the person is taking a watch, deadly weapon, not a fist, right? It's a deadly weapon used to kill and they were firing it at multiple families over multiple different time periods and multiple locations. Their intention with the deadly weapon was what? To kill. With a deadly weapon. Yeah. Mm. You weren't throwing a stone. 
or a rock. You didn't throw a fish at a car. You know, you didn't throw a, a, a bread roll at a car and tear the yeah. cornea. You weren't, <laughs> you, you weren't punching somebody at the abortion mill. That's right. You <laughs> shot a deadly weapon. So in that case, here's what I'm saying. I think it shows that your intention was actual murder. You were unsuccessful. And so in that case, I think if you look at this case law, I think you have a very good case for this kind of extreme case mm -hmm. that that is actually intention and it's actually murder and as, as the intention. So what I would say is this. I'm willing to be corrected on this. But I think if we go to the scriptures, I think that's a good case law example. Now, some people might disagree and, that, and that's yeah, okay. I would, I would say, well, how do you know if his intention was to murder and he was bad at it? Or he was good at missing and just wanted to just like terrorize people. Be because in this case, it was a deadly weapon fired at multiple vehicles over multiple different time periods and locations, firing at their windows, yeah. missing with a deadly weapon. He missed. It, it probably could still be argued though. there's an intention of the heart thing that yeah. we still would have to get to. Maybe. Except that it's a deadly weapon. See, in this kind of case, I'd say it's an extreme case of deadly weapon yeah. being used on multiple different cars over multiple different locations and time periods. So again, listen. Yeah, I'm I just think, playing devil's advocate. No, no, yeah, you very like good. Hire, yeah. And I'm willing to, to have the devil's advocate and I'm willing to be cross-examined on this. But here's my point. I'm not 100% committed either way on this, ultimately, except to say I believe that's a good case from biblical law in this case, with a deadly weapon, in the case that it was, to show that he had intent, it would have it would have actually ended in the murder of, of somebody in these vehicles, but he was just bad at it. And so I think if you look at the case law, you can, I think, draw from it a solid basis for these cases of the death penalty. I think under, on, on, under normal circumstances, if people just get in a fight, they're beating each other up or something like that, you can't say that that was attempted murder ultimately because you can't show intent like that. I don't think you can necessarily stretch it that way. I think you would have biblical case law to show what you would do with those sorts of people, actual corporal punishment, though if you injure somebody, you know, those sorts of things I think you could draw out. But in this case... It's a difficult one because yeah. it's not an actual murder that took place. Either way, he'd have a lot of restitution to pay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you might wish for the death penalty with all that restitution. Granted, we're moving into <laughs> mm -hmm. a tough situation because we do have the case law where we say you take somebody's life, you die. That's God's revealed standard. There's no changing that. So this is a tough one. It's a sticky one because nobody died. But I think there's clear intention there with a deadly weapon over a period of time, multiple locations, everything else. That that's what you intended to do. And you do have a case law where there, if there's an intention to cause the death of another person that would end it in their actual death, you would receive the death penalty as a result of it. Again, this would be something that we could actually go to the text together. And I would be willing to be changed by the text. I think if you could show me in the case law something different... I think I'd be willing to change my view, but in this case, I think that's a pretty solid basis there for um, saying that the death penalty could be given to the I-10 shooter. But again, here's what I'm happy about. As Christians, that we go to God's law to say what would God's standards be. Mm. So, uh, Turretin fan, thanks, brother. Thanks for the question. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, great discussion. Yeah? Yeah. Good show? Good show. Yes. All right. Packed full. All right. Yeah, big show. All right, guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for um, listening again. And be listening and watching for the Stonewall to drop. Yeah. And uh, sign up for all access at ApologiaRadio.com to get it. And don't forget to be checking out the apologetics lectures that I gave. Those are all up at ApologiaRadio.com yeah. for all access. Encourage your friends to sign up for Apology All Access, too, to watch the movie. 
You'll appreciate it. it yes. It's, it'll, it'll change your life. Hey, and Christmas season is coming up. It would make a great yeah. gift. Hey, Christmas. <laughs> you like that plug? Apology yes. all access for Christmas. Yeah. 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 You could buy a yearly membership for Christmas. 8340. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Finally, guys, Christmas is coming up and it's about to get really sick, like with the Christmas stuff. We is love that, Christmas. Is that, is that Apology Does Christmas? We, oh, yeah. yeah. Big fans of Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. Like a lot of Christmas I, music. I know the Puritans. We're not so much. Yeah. But. Hey, they have a right to be wrong. Can we just start next week? <laughs> yeah, we. Hey, it may happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we appreciate you. Thanks for blessing us and share our stuff.